Welcome to episode eight of Cyclops is Waiting for Me, an X-Men the Animated Series weekly recap podcast. I'm Rod. You can find me on TikTok under Rod Kim Rocks, where you can see my cat getting yelled at by squirrels. Wait, what? <laughs> I, I mentioned this earlier. This oh, is the video yeah. that most you're, people know about. You're, you're a squirrel guy. Yeah. yeah. Squirrel that's keg, that's yeah. not why you want to be known. <laughs> no. And I am JC, part of Whiskey and Waffles. You can find us on everything as Whiskey and Waffles. Use A-N-D, not the little squiggly line. <laughs> Cyclops is waiting for me as our weekly podcast series where we are going back and watching every single episode of the original 1992 X-Men, the animated series in their original intended script order, building up to the release of X-Men 97 coming to Disney Plus in 2023. Notably, this episode aired out of script order, which we've addressed in previous episodes, but that's why we keep saying it at the beginning, because if you're watching along with us and you think we've skipped it because the Disney Plus order is different, that's why. Yeah, and this one wouldn't have made sense the other way around. It's yep. well, we'll get into that though. Yes, we will. So some quick reminders. We are a recap show about a series that came out 30 years ago, or I guess 29, however you want to cut it. There will be spoilers. If you don't want to spoil it for you, just pause the podcast right now, go watch the episode, and then come back. But we'll do our best to avoid mentioning anything about future episodes that we haven't covered yet. And look at the title of the episode, not the number of the episode. Yes, because from here on out, the numbers will mean almost nothing. Yeah, and <laughs> some of our episodes, the numbers aren't going to match because we're doing like two-parters, a single episodes. So this is for The Cure. And we're currently not sponsored or affiliated with Disney or Disney+, Plus. but if we were, we would advise them to fix the order. And that's probably why we won't be. <laughs> Don't forget to follow us on social media at Cyclops IWFM pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I also learned how to put an RSS feed for the podcast on Facebook. Nice. I didn't know you could listen to podcasts on Facebook. I didn't either until you just now said that. That's the thing. Sweet. You don't look at text messages. We're professionals. Yeah. Oh, is that what you were talking about? Yes. With that? Oh, okay. God damn. <laughs> I just saw Facebook. I was like, cool. That thing's taken care of. Finally, if you can't tell, <laughs> we record these in batches. So if we're reacting to any news about the upcoming series or even our own show, for fuck's sake, <laughs> we may be a few weeks behind, like Rod was, <laughs> about the thing I texted him about on Tuesday. Well, now on to the show. Today, we're going to be talking about episode nine, The Cure. It aired February 20th, 1993, and currently sits at a 7.7 .7 star rating on IMDb. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Amazing to me that this one has a lower rating than the Juggernaut episode. Yeah. Did, did Eric have any notes that he put down about this one being any better or worse than stuff? Because I know he said in the last episode of our podcast, you mentioned that he didn't particularly love the Juggernaut episode. I mean, he said that the Juggernaut was the weakest one of the first two seasons. So <laughs> by default, I think that means he liked this episode more. Yeah. I don't want to speak for him, yeah. but I'm reading between the, <laughs> the, the lines, not really between them. Yeah. So. I think this one starts strong because we immediately see Cable. He's out doing the thing. Apparently, he's only been doing through the whole episode, sneaking in the background of stuff. And so we we catch up on him and he's kind of creeping on Warren. Yeah, so there's the chalet in the snow. <laughs> so just to, to give separation, the last time we saw Cable, he was on Genosha, which mm -hmm. is an island nation. And we don't know exactly where it is, but it's cold here. So we got to assume, that, I don't know, yeah. Colorado, Tahoe. Something, Switzerland. Uh, or Warren something. is rich. Yeah. Let's, let's just call that out one of the original x-men warren worthington the third you know he's rich because <laughs> he has the third in his name and he's in the, like this ski chalet with this you know really pretty woman and yeah we don't know their relationship yet but they're about to get it on or at least she thinks so yeah and there's mention of oh where's the geneticist and it's like that's the weirdest pillow talk ever <laughs> um she was really into adler yeah apparently so the geneticist is referring to godfried adler and there's mention that godfried is in scotland always comes back to scotland there's like three 
three geographical three ep- places. Three episodes in a row, Scotland has been mentioned. <laughs> they start to get like a little bit closer and Warren kind of like puts the brakes on it. Mm-hmm. And we don't really know why yet, just from the show. And Kibble shows up looking for Adler. Warren has a laser gun. I just want to point that out. <laughs> this dude isn't just investing in genetics. He also has like laser weapon. Right? Yeah, because Cable uh, thinks that Warren is Adler right at the beginning. Yeah, they, well, it's also like you just broke into my house, so I'm definitely yeah. <laughs> going to shoot at you. Cable ends up shooting Warren. Warren reveals after he, he lands in the snow, he pops out and his wings are out. So, oh, shoot, this dude has wings. Yeah. Cable continues. I mean, they continue a short fight and then the woman pops back up into the room, isn't sure exactly what she's seeing and ends up taking a shot shooting Warren. Well, because right before that, Cable had thrown some sort of like flash grenade or something. Yeah, there was like and a like, flashbang basically. So she's still kind of semi-blinded is where you're getting the impression. Right. Of. And because the profile she's seeing of Warren has the wings, mm-hmm. so it's not like she would just assume that that's, that's him. Yeah. And then the one thing I have to at least point out is, you know, despite that Warren flies off and the phrase Warren's gone, which is like super ominous yeah. and, and such. Cable has a red eye. And in the comics, Cable's eye, always yellow. Oh, has it been that color through the series? I don't remember it sticking out yeah. as being any color in the okay. previous episode that Cable has appeared in. Interesting. But if you look at every like Rob Liefeld image of Cable, it's mm-hmm. always like bright, like bright white or bright yellow it's usually i've i've not seen it as red at least one of the most more uh, heroic colors or something yeah and yeah so she she accidentally shoots warren because she thinks it's maybe cable or somebody else or something and she's immediately regretful though so it wasn't like she was some vapid you know one night stand you know maybe she's just worried about charges being brought against her for shooting somebody that also (laughs) you have to show remorse or you get the death penalty because we established a couple episodes ago that peter parker is vlogging this from the corner because it's how they get this footage to show people later in the series yeah in universe yep (laughs) and the show does cross over with the spider-man animated series at one point or the x-men showed up in spider-man series i don't remember which one it was but the characters from one appeared in the other yeah so Original MCU. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there. the thing I do love about this is this is before all the crazy licensing happened on the characters for the movies. So there was never concern of can Spider-Man or Doctor Strange or Carol Danvers pop up in the show. Mm-hmm. They were actually able to do that without worrying about who had rights to whom. And then literally less than a decade later. Yeah. We're in the mess. That- <laughs> Se- seven years later. All of a sudden, Marvel's close to bankruptcy, selling the rights to everything as a fire sale. Yeah. And that's why Sony still has the rights to Venom. Yeah, at that point, we cut to Muir Island, and Xavier and Moira are talking about the possibility of reversing mutations. Yeah, and, th- and this is where, you know, we mentioned with the regard to the script order, it definitely makes sense watching it this way because otherwise when we go to what originally aired as the ninth episode as the juggernaut they don't know where charles is but here they're literally talking to charles yeah (laughs) and we'll interact with him later in said episode too yeah they go to the lab because charles wants to talk to this dr adler about what this technology or therapy or whatever it is might be and Moira kind of gives him this disclaimer. It's a very private person and basically says, like, we leave him alone because he pays us or yeah. he has funding or something. Yeah, basically, the checks keep clearing so we don't ask questions. Which has never turned out bad in the history of mankind when you just trust a rich person. Especially with science. <laughs> 
So Charles tries to, to probe into the lab and you see imagery that one we saw is, uh, is Mystique, who is in a previous episode. And then we also see who we would find out later in the episode to be Apocalypse. But Charles, really confused, doesn't know who either of those two people are with what he's seeing in there. Yeah, it's, it's super ominous. But also I love how the shock of seeing those two skates over the fact that another, we talked about this a few episodes ago about Charles' like questionable ethics, where he's like, well, he's not coming out. Let me scan his brain. <laughs> yeah, Charles's ethics continue to be a challenge because it's kind of like do the do the ends justify the means? Mm -hmm. And Charles is very much on the opinion of yes, yes, they yeah. do. I will use all the means if it's for the good of going into a room with a random doctor. Sure. Yeah. They also have like that that discussion, which we're going to see more of in just a second from the team, but they refer to it as the mutant cure. Mm -hmm. And Charles's perspective is, you know, it's not a disease. And Moira gives the the counter to him of, well, not all mutants yes. would agree with that. Yeah, I have the quote written down that I, I love from Charles it says, don't say cure my Moira. So uh, it, I think that sentiment stuck with me later as a kid, because I don't know if I had actually heard this kind of principle happening, because obviously, you know, we know now that this paralleled a lot of yeah. different bigotry and injustice and stuff. Yeah, and, and the, the Moira gives the counter to it of not all mutants would agree because to, I mean, Charles is coming from a place of privilege. Mm -hmm. Like, historically, his family has always had a lot of money. Mm -hmm. There's there's no denying that. You look at the size of the school and everything like that. And also, he literally looks like John Luke Picard. He, yeah. <laughs> he, he is just a white dude in a, in a fancy wheelchair. Yeah. So to say not all mutants would agree, it's like, well, you get to say that from your pedestal yeah. because you could go out into regular society and nobody's going to question it. Yeah. If you ask the Morlocks, do you consider this a disease? Almost any of them looks like they would have said yes based on not even wanting to go to the surface when Storm invited them two episodes ago. And even if we just get into like how powers manifested or different experiences, it doesn't even have to be like an appearance thing. It can just be like what the repercussions of your abilities are, your ability to control them. And we see a lot more that and just the entire series going along cyclops always has to wear ugly red sunglasses mm -hmm. in the 90s okay maybe <laughs> that worked but if i see somebody walking down the street in red sunglasses today yeah. not trusting them <laughs> And so we cut back to the X-Mansion. They're still in construction. And I very vividly remember this whole almost montage sequence where it's it's kind of comical almost, like a very cartoony, like they're all using their powers to rebuild the mansion in very like visually interesting ways and stuff. It's very, it's very lighthearted. Yeah. Yeah. Despite that their home is literally in ruins. Yeah. They get to start having a little bit of fun and it doesn't mm -hmm. feel like the world is ending instantly again. And we kind of follow Wolverine. He's he's kind of our, our guide through seeing how everybody's dealing with stuff. And I guess like the little joke there is that he's trying to help everyone, but no one needs his help because they've got superpowers. And he's kind of just like barking orders too. He's yeah. not actually doing anything useful. Gambit is not having it. He he. Puts his explosive touch on one of the bricks, mm -hmm. which I mean, honestly, Wolverine could have his hand blown off and it would just grow back. So it's yeah. not it's not like he really needed saving there. I, I would love that be like my head cannon for Gambit. And he's like, his hand will grow back. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Gambit's headspace with Wolverine is I could burn him down to his adamantium skeleton mm -hmm. and one cell survives. He'll grow back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And Wolverine kind of has like an overly macho moment with Jean where he's like, let me help you with that. And then she just like telepathically takes all the nails up and just nails shoots that board them in. in and is super efficient. <laughs> yeah. Jean should be building this entire whole place. Thing. She's way better at it than a lot of other people. And then we see Storms mixing some like cement or concrete or something. And she's using like a little cute teeny like storm cloud to rain down wolverine said something like needs more water or whatever and she's like all right yeah yeah and then there's there's the the fight almost breaks out they take the giant pre-built metal frame of the bell tower and oh, use yeah. it as like an impromptu jail cell it's 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 silly but it it works for for what we're going for and this is an example of something i mentioned the last podcast episode about how it seems to be this kind of trope that the men always get into conflicts, the women diffuse it, and it's usually kind of initiated by Cyclops, if not for anything else than his attitude towards things. So I think there's even a point where either... At least one, in this one, Cyclops is not starting the shit with yeah, this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just yelling at people after the fact. After Rogue puts the impromptu jail that they easily could have walked through the, yeah. the sides of, they all get called down into the danger room. Good. I'm glad the danger room is still working fine. Yeah, and in the basement with yeah. the movable war room. Yeah, the movable war room. <laughs> and basically, they get the heads up from Charles what's what's going on. And, you know, everybody's happy that he's safe, obviously. And he says that, you know, there's a doctor who has the ability to make somebody a, a homo sapien again. Mm -hmm. And Wolverine really is adamantly against this. There's their talk of, like, stealing our powers and... You know, the, somebody else gives the reaction of this could be a weapon used against mutants. And Rogue's face, like Rogue is just like instantly guilt ridden when she hears the reactions from those around her. Yeah. They, to, testament to the animating. They got it through through a Saturday morning cartoon character. Like you can just see throughout the entire message from Xavier that she's she's thinking about it. Yeah. Like no one else is visibly showing signs that they would even entertain this idea. Yeah. And as she starts to to walk out of the room, Wolverine throws in like the no deserters line or something yeah. like that. And it's like, oh, wow. Except for your teammate that's leaving right now. Yeah, just read the room, bro. <laughs> and he's Wolverine just probably doesn't care. But so Rogue tries to to take off and, and Gambit hops in with her. She throws him out of the car yeah. and then proceeds to drive away fast. He hops the wall. Lands in the car perfectly. Major props to him for figuring that out. Master of Thieves, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> seriously. And then finally, she basically says, screw it, and flies away. Yeah, you're like, you could have started with that, right? Yeah, you just, now you just <laughs> left a car in the middle of the street. <laughs> then we we see Rogue sitting on the wing of the plane. And I didn't know what reference this was, but I think you do. I, I knew that it was a trope or a reference to some pop culture thing. Yeah, so as repopularized by the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror, this is apparently a reference to the gremlin on the wing, which is an infamous Twilight Zone story. Mm. And you can tell because of the man who's sitting in the passenger seat who sees a woman literally sitting on the wing of the plane as they're traveling. Mm -hmm. And then he tries to tell the flight attendant. The flight attendant kind of like doesn't react to it. He keeps looking, he keeps looking, and eventually she goes, well, this is my stop. Which means that she was on that wing for at least five yeah. hours. I'm pretty sure that JFK 
to London Heathrow is like six hours. Yeah. So Scotland's maybe that like actually. I, I want to say about five or six hours sounds about right because yeah. Scotland's actually one of the places I would escape to back yeah. in the day, and that sounds about right. It's, yeah. It was about a six, like a half a day flight. Yeah. So she just she just pops off, and, <laughs> and the dude like is still freaking out, and then the flight attendant is just laughing at him, and that was very much what the gremlin on the wing of the, the plane yeah. from Twilight Zone was. And I love the visual of Rogue midair opening up a map. <laughs> And then comparing it to the island who that actually looks like the map. Yeah. It was an awesome cartoon moment. It's such a cartoon moment. And then we we were at a bar and we see Avalanche and Pyro. We saw Avalanche in a previous episode on Genosha. I guess this is kind of implying that Pyro may have been there or around or something because they seem to have been together on some sort of trip and allude to like being imprisoned or something. Yeah, I mean, I think that there is definitely the implication that Pyro and Avalanche have, have done some jobs together. That definitely was was the vibe I got. It's it's kind of like, you know, bringing back the band because we're going to do another caper together. Mm-hmm. I also love the accent for Pyro. Almost offensive Australian. I just like that, well, one, the offensive accent for anything Australian. <laughs> uh, really appropriate because of Pride of the X-Men because that was Wolverine's yeah. accent, which was horribly, horribly offensive. But I also like that we are getting a more worldwide perspective of who mm-hmm. these characters are. And he's just a funny freaking character to me. Yeah, he's pretty carefree. Yeah, he's a doofus. And, and both of them are just, they're literally at this bar playing darts. Um, Waiting for... Mystique. Mystique, who Pyro is the contact for, and he's trying to pull Avalanche in on the job. Which is super interesting, because either this is something that's going to pay off later and I don't remember it, or just a plot hole, or you know, there's an explanation that's a little bit convoluted. But Avalanche was just in prison with Mystique last time we saw him. Yeah, and both of them in non-speaking roles, but mm-hmm. yeah, they were both on Slave Island together. So either they never spoke, or he just hasn't connected because he, he asked straight up, he's like, what does she look like? And Pyro's like, I don't know. I mean, I guess if you're like trying to make it through and not get like thrown into the box and stuff yeah. like that, maybe you just don't talk that much. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe she thought he was a doofus and she wouldn't talk to him. I could totally right. see Mystique doing that. That's true. She might have just straight up just gave him the wrong name or something. Or yeah. Turned into the little dude in the green suit every once in a while. She's not but- the dude in the green <laughs> suit. He would have noticed her turning back when the sh- the neck the collars turned back on. Uh, I okay? keep forgetting their powers don't work out there. Yeah, but they're in a bar and it's a mutant bar, and I thought mm-hmm. that, uh, you know that was that was cool that it's like oh there are people just walking around openly on yeah, it, on it, your island, and it, they're almost like Morlock level mutants because they they visually yeah some of the ones in the bar are just the fact that Pyro and Avalanche are in full gear. And not caring. You know, it's this is funny because it's the show. I've just filtered out anytime someone's in like full armor in any setting. It's like you're it, fighting the government. Sure, you're in the mall. It's called the Gambit Rule. <laughs> nope. That should have been the podcast name, the Gambit Rule. No, that would suck. I hate Gambit. <laughs> so they're in the bar. Rogue walks in. Pyro very creepily comes on to her, and she's like, "Nope, not having it." Because they he thinks she's maybe Mystique, right? Yes. I think she make, he makes that. Which, fair assumption and interesting foreshadowing. Right, seriously. (laughs) Upon being rejected, Pyro doesn't handle it well. And then she proceeds to throw the two of them through the wall of the bar. I'm going to give one critique to the person who built the bar. (laughs) If you're going to have an establishment that your whole goal is to get people messed up, you probably should not put it right next to a cliff in like by the water. It's a good way to lose your highest spending clients. So interesting. Before living in LA, I lived in Delaware. It's not a city in Pennsylvania. It's a state for anybody that hasn't been on the East Coast. There's a bar out there that is almost 
internationally known called Deer Park, I think. It's next to a railroad track and not like building next door. Like if you walk out the door and trip, you're on a railroad track, an active railroad track. It's like Kansas City Barbecue in San Diego. Oh, there's more. So... It's not it's not a full-fledged railroad track, but it is the tram railroad that is in San Diego around okay. like the gas lamp district. Yeah, I don't know what actually like what types of trains go across this track, but, but it's the, something that has crushed yeah. people. And yeah, there's enough of it that like it's pretty regular news, even if it's just annually yep. of someone being drunk and stumbling on the railroad tracks and every year it's just like, how did this happen? It's like do I, is that a rhetorical question or no. <laughs> the same thing with mutant bars? Like, you know what? We're going to build on the side of a cliff. Yeah. With that. And when we see, you know, them getting put through the wall, we see cable is down in a boat. Yeah. He just in the background, he just like whizzes by. Yeah. And avalanche goes all the way through right down to the water and pyro gets stuck. Yeah. Pyro gets stuck and avalanche is, is all the way down there. Oh, avalanche. Avalanche. There's a, there's a pun there. No, no, there's not. There's definitely not a fucking pun, Rod. Uh, <laughs> By the way, I drink during these recording sessions, so I know I get surly by the fourth episode of this. Um, (laughs) So, away from awful puns. (laughs) We get back to where Adler is and Rogue barges in on him. Yeah, she doesn't want to wait and come back when he says, you know, no visitors. He gives, like, the German version of what that is. Oh, it's like verboten or something? Yeah, visitors are verboten. Yeah. We're definitely bastardizing, which is fine. And Uh, Pyro is kind of tailing her, too, and that's why he had disappeared from the previous shot and kind of like left avalanche behind yeah avalanche just can piss off apparently (laughs) and she goes in and she literally rips the door off its hinges to get in there boundaries are not a strong suit of the x-men no definitely not (laughs) she says make me like the others you know name your price and i love that you see the machine that does the procedure and i remember seeing that shot come up and i was like i would not trust that machine so i love that you brought this up because i thought i was overthinking it The machine that's above, it literally looks like a giant gold version of the interrogator droid from the first Star Wars. (laughs) Like the droid that they're like, this is the thing that's going to poke a bunch of holes in Princess Leia. And then they shut the door. That's what this thing looks like, but bigger. Yeah. And I mean, if you haven't seen it, you know what we're talking about. It's basically a giant metal sphere with like weapons essentially random like, needles like just, yeah random yeah, spikies coming out of it she and she's there and she sees it and she's like yeah i still want that yeah <laughs> so adler accepts mm-hmm. and tells her yeah i'll be ready in an hour i don't know what they're gonna do in that one hour time frame but yeah. okay well we know now after you know moments later that's because mystique reveals that she is adler yep. and after after rogue leaves and behind the door Again, sentinel rule. Sentinel rule. Whatever. Apocalypse has been standing behind the door the whole time. He's like nine feet tall. We so we care. have a sentinel rule and a gambit rule <laughs> for this go. show? Okay, cool. So there's the people don't see shit in plain sight. That's the sentinel rule. Everybody wears armor constantly yeah. is the gambit rule. There you go. Okay, cool. Establishing uh, just, the ground I want to just here. establish the rules. That way when we make <laughs> emotes for something. Oh, fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Apocalypse is there and he basically tells Mystique, make her my slave and, and so mystique the, is not quick to push back in any way so that hour was apparently mystique was going to try to talk apocalypse into it and he was like no 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 just have her come right back yeah no this is great i want the powerful mutant to be my slave we get rogue with a moment of reflection and yeah. she has a flashback to her first kiss where she's like on a date with this dude cody and kind of gives the like well i don't know if i'm ever going to get kissed if you don't do it soon <laughs> she's just like just for kiss me for fuck's sake. Like yeah. every every teenager's like awkwardness of like, well, what's my first kiss gonna be? And then she has the most awkward one ever. Yeah. <laughs> it, you know, we get to see she told this story a little bit 
in the first episode and we finally get to see it happen and it it's funny because this scene this flashback played out how the the like the true love weights things and stuff in high school they told told us they, they, it's like what they described as what would happen on a, if don't 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 kiss before marriage or you'll get the life zapped out of you by a mutant. see i i interpreted it the <laughs> other way of don't wait for your first kiss and hope that it's something special it's going to go badly so just get it out of the way oh there you go yeah See? lesson lesson either way yeah either <laughs> way take those as life lessons kids yeah so please for the love of god don't have kids listening kiss, to the show <laughs> if the kiss wasn't already awkward it also kind of murdered her first boyfriend yeah it came pretty close to to taking cody out pyro is now looking for avalanche yep after he, abandoning him he made sure <laughs> to tail rogue to find out where she was going mm-hmm. and then decides to you know go looking for avalanche after the fact the dude was thrown like off yeah off a cliff into water yeah he'll be fine yeah he's, he's fine yeah. and instead he accidentally finds cable yep and Cable is looking for Godfrey <laughs> because that's what I do as a spy. I just keep asking people for the name of the person I'm about to assassinate. <laughs> There's one way to get information. Yeah. The two end up fighting. It's a very quick fight. Mm-hmm. Cable basically takes out Pyro with no trouble whatsoever. Yeah, very little effort. But on the plus side, that that gives Pyro the plan to kidnap Godfrey Adler. <laughs> because he, yeah, because he's like, a lot of people are asking about this Adler guy. Yeah. At that point, he talks to Avalanche and is like, listen, everybody keeps mentioning this Adler guy. Let's go cash in on this. Yeah, we don't know where Mystique is, who's our contact. So let's make some money in the meantime. So we're at the point where Rogue is getting the treatment in full costume because she doesn't need to take her rubber suit off for the giant dude it would machine. be so hard to take the rubber suit off let's be real <laughs> and her bomber jack i don't know no fewer questions the better and avalanche and pyro interrupt and they basically kidnap adler they destroy the machine sort of i just want to point out the sort of part of it is the giant torture droid ball falls yeah. on rogue <laughs> so the the machine's like sort of destroyed we'll come back to that cable and rogue individually have different motivations but they both want adler so they go after this whole mess that just got away in a weird set of like coincidence circumstances adler does reveal themselves to be mystique but really just in between rogue noticing yeah there so avalanche and pyro are now where they think is safely far enough away godfrey turns back into mystique and is just pissed at them because she's like you're an idiot you are absolutely an idiot basically she's like well i thought you would be useful here because i thought apocalypse would have use for you i think that's the the first time we hear apocalypse and you know who's apocalypse oh he's my master we came here to make slaves for apocalypse and then there's the question of like was godfrey adler ever real and the great line was like well he was real until apocalypse met him very poetic way of saying we did him in yeah we (laughs) wasted your friends yeah (laughs) yeah right then probably hearing that rogue is close by mystique changes back into adler so when rogue sees mystique she's already transformed and doesn't know that it is mystique yeah because we just see rogue kind of like almost circling that rock formation they're at yep and on top of that avalanche is too dumb to recognize the woman that he was in prison with on genosha I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna chalk up that whole thing to Avalanche not being the brightest crayon. Yeah. So Rogue goes in to save Adler, or quote unquote save, because yep. she thinks that 
pyro and avalanche are trying to harm this innocent scientist in her The eyes. doctor who's going to cure her kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So they start fighting and then Cable catches up to Adler. As that is happening, we cut over to the lab. Yeah. And at the lab, you have Cyclops and Jean who came because they were worried that Rogue had decided to fly over. They're discovering all the chaos the same time that Professor X is discovering all of it. So everybody's kind of just figuring stuff out at the same time. My favorite line, I, I think I have a favorite line every episode. You do. Someone had said to, someone asked in the, the craziness of everything, like, what happened? And Professor X, deadpan as can be, says, it appears that Dr. Adler has been kidnapped. <laughs> No shit. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. Thank you for clearing that up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This room is destroyed. No people are here. But also, how do you know he was kidnapped? He could have not been at the lab at 930 at night. Oh, yeah. True. Yeah. No, no, Professor X is in on this. He, yep. he knows more. He's totally this. in on it. He knows more. <laughs> so... We we cut back Cable and, and and Adler having their conversation, and basically Cable is is pointing out, well, you made these collars. I believe Adler plays dumb about the collars, mm -hmm. and it's you know just given what we know that this must have happened in a pretty short time frame because the collars were being used on Genosha fairly recently. So Apocalypse only must have taken him out. And, and Mystique took his place after Mystique escaped Genosha. So it's only a really, really short time frame. Yeah, there's a, there's a little fuzzy logic yeah. in there, or time, timeline, I guess, better way to put it. So then Rogue is still trying to rescue at who she thinks is Adler yep. and ends up fighting with Cable. And there's a plasma grenade. I specifically remember that they pointed out it is a plasma grenade. Takes out Rogue for a second and to to save herself, Mystique reveals that she isn't Adler to Cable. As that's happening, Cyclops and, and Jean show up and then they start fighting with Cable. Cable ends up falling off the edge of the cliff and then Jean also ends up falling off mm. the edge of the cliff. Rogue flies over and, and gets the same but you don't see what happens to to cable yeah and it just another episode where someone falling gets rescued by one of their their teammates yeah i i did notice there there was an alternate version of the theme in this episode it was kind of like a darker and more ominous version of it oh, okay, that was playing yeah. during that fight as well oh yeah i didn't notice that but that makes sense yeah and also just to clarify rogue is still not seen adler turning in mystique nope at this point and just sees scott and gene kind of just happy to have survived and they're holding hands and you know hugging and kissing and stuff and and rogue sees that and i got the signal that she was like sad that that was never going to be her but then we cut to the next scene where she's helping adler or who she thinks is adler rebuild the lab yep and adler's like well you ready to go yep and she gives the the choice that she decides not to do it so that was my interpretation was she sees her powers as detrimental as they are to her own life are the only reason she was able to save Jean. Yeah. That, so so her keeping the power is her sacrifice to keep others safe. Yeah, and that that's that was a really cool reveal because once again, like kind of a, a step up for or a level up for a kid's show to show something like that. Yeah. And then Adler, you know, when she says she doesn't want to do it, he gives the, you know, live forever in the prison of your mutant power. Yeah, not not trying to guilt you at all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, granted, here's the thing. At that point. Adler can't really do the thing in front of Xavier, Gene, and Cyclops of True. make Rogue the the you know yeah. the slave to Apocalypse. And Rogue decides to to fly off. I guess you know everybody else is going to take a jet, but Rogue is just 
fuck oh, yeah. it, I'm going on my own. She's going to drive away afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> and collides with, or nearly collides with Angel, Warren Worthington, in the, in the air. It's a full circle. Yeah. Also, did he fly there manually? And that's why it took him a little bit longer. Oh, yeah, because we still don't know exactly where he was. He, I guess he could have been in another European country. And that's what they're trying to imply. It could have. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I just default to like Colorado yeah. or Tahoe <laughs> or Canada. But yeah, he maybe he was in Switzerland. Yeah. And he decided to change into his spandex and yep. fly to Scotland because he's also looking for Adler. Yep. I thought it was interesting, though, when Angel and Rogue almost collide he looks at rogue and says you can fly without wings yeah. and they can't figure it out but that was like a small i only notice this now that i'm older is you know what it's like kind of the thing of the grass is greener on the other side yeah like rogue sees her thing as a curse and then he sees something as a curse that she had it, it's just interesting like it's always going to be better somewhere else right because in in his mind he's like yeah i would love to be able to fly but i wish i didn't have these giant ass wings that out me to people mm-hmm. whereas rogue Hers is more of a personal scenario because she could pass as an everyday person, mm-hmm. but she just can't make the contact. Yeah, she can't have a, a, a normal life. Yeah, unquote. she can't. She can't have a physical relationship with mm-hmm. somebody. And then Angel pops into the lab, and it's like, "Oh, you were the one who was funding us, right?" And it's like, "Well, yeah. Why do you think I was funding all this? It yeah. wasn't out of the goodness of my heart. Yeah, fix me." <laughs> and then you have the the comment of on the wings of an angel or something like that. Because see, the episode made the pun for me. Yeah, but that said, up to this point, I know I've said Angel a few times. It's only just from reading the comics and stuff. We've only heard his name as Warren. He is not. Yes, he's just Warren. in the show. Been in, been Angel, and it's just kind of like, oh, this dude who we don't really have much affinity for (laughs) shit's gonna go down yeah and so he agrees to get the procedure and once again i think mystique sends him away for a little bit yep they you need an hour to prep despite the fact despite the fact that your whole giant torture droid just (laughs) fell and collapsed yep give us an hour so she walks outside and apocalypse is also just standing outside the door that no one had noticed previously and i thought it was really interesting that Apocalypse already knew who Warren was and also didn't berate Mystique for waiting too long again. <laughs> it's like, I've, man with giant wings? Yes, let's let's get that on our team. Yes, yes, we're, <laughs> we, we want that. Whatever that default is, that's great. An interesting thing about this version of Apocalypse is within the comics, Apocalypse has always been very focused on survival of the fittest. Mm-hmm. What we don't get out of this version of him is that he is going to... Like, basically destroy the world. Like, mm-hmm. that is his thing. It's like, he's gonna, like, I'm gonna burn this whole thing to the ground. Which I guess is is a start of the whole, you know, survival of the fittest, because that's how you save the world, is you, like, burn all the fat, yeah. and it's only those strong enough. But we don't really get that version of Apocalypse just yet here. So, so it, it, we were left with kind of, like, the mystery of who's this ominous being who we just found out was Apocalypse. Yeah. You have this mysterious figure that, you know, apparently can just hide behind doors and Mystique says Apocalypse to his face. So now if we didn't just get through context clues before, now we know like this dude is Apocalypse. And then for some reason, nope, to be continued. I'm guessing because they don't pick up directly on it in the next episode. You know, because we we record these in batches and <laughs> I didn't look to see what the next episode is. I yeah. don't know, Rod. <laughs> I, I'm just gonna, uh, we're, we're gonna use this as a test to see if that is the, if there's any sort of continuity of the to be continued because I had mentioned in a previous episode, I didn't know if there was any method to the madness of when so, to be continues. What we have to look forward to in the next episode is the next two episodes are part one and two of Days of Future Past. Yeah. Which is 
a very loaded story within the X-Men universe, but we'll get into that next episode. So major stuff to talk about from this one that we may not have fully touched on. One was that Angel was one of the original five members of the X-Men back in their debut in the 60s. And, you know, very similar to this version of him. He's a dude with wings and he's rich. That's yeah. all he's got. Another thing of note is... You know, we're, we were talking about Cable in, in the Slave Island episode and stuff like that. And Cable, while he had been introduced in the 80s, it wasn't until December of 93. So the year this came out, you know, in six months in the future, they had not actually disclosed Cable's origin in the comics. They were kind of playing at only the context of what was available to them, trying to maintain it. We actually didn't know so much of what is going to be revealed about Cable in future episodes because it literally hadn't come out yet in the comics. And, you know, while there's there's changes to certain relationships with characters and stuff like that, they essentially didn't change a lot of origins for people. It's, just, it's both cool and makes me feel insanely old that... I, you know, I assume that all these characters had like vast histories before I watched this animated series because the comics have been out forever. But it's kind of cool to know that the the cable that we know today is the base character was a lot of it was established in real time of when I or when we saw yeah. the show well, originally. Look at look at Wolverine. Like we didn't know Wolverine's name was James for the longest time. When this show came out, he was Logan. And then there was his offshoot character that he played in Madripoor, where he was called Patch, where he was kind of like a mafia-esque ringleader uh -huh. there. He ran like one of the casinos and stuff. But we didn't know his name was James Howlett. That happened oh, wow. after this show. Was it established in this show? No. Oh, okay. No, it's, it, it is not like a Harley Quinn scenario where Harley was created for the show yeah, yeah, yeah. and then spanned into the DC comics after. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, just like the, the additional lore. Or whatever. Yeah, just the as, as extensive as his backstory was, we didn't know any of that stuff about Logan at this point. Wow. Yeah, because to this day, when someone mentions Cable in the context of the X-Men Marvel Universe, even though we've had so many iterations of him since then, I still default to the one in this show. Is kind of just my my benchmark for Cable. That's totally, totally fair. I mean, a lot of us, it, the first impression of the character in a meaningful way is the one that you're you're locked in your head. So for some people, their Wolverine is Hugh Jackman. The Wolverine I always hear in my head when I'm reading the comics, because Rod knows this, I buy, yeah. you know, loose issues every single week. I, I think I bought 12 today. <laughs> one of those being an X-Men book, one of those being the Deaths of Wolverine book that came out, not to date ourselves for when this episode was recorded. But but I hear Wolverine from the show in my head. I hear Cyclops from the show in my head. That is the yes. voice of that character to me. Yeah, definitely. With the for me, and I know you haven't seen it yet, but the the Pride of the X Men. Yeah. Every once in a while, I hear that Wolverine, and it's not very often. But when I do, it's like something's wrong with me today. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because you don't read comics on a regular basis, so that's even weirder that you're hearing that Wolverine. Yeah. It, well, is it is it like when you see non animated series memes online or something? Yeah, memes or like if they you know there's like panels that are up somewhere or every once there every once in a while there's a comic book i read a few comics over the pandemic okay um, not a lot not as definitely not as much as you do but please ignore just, my <laughs> kitchen table right now it's great I, I i wish like i feel like i'm too far gone to be able to catch up also at the same time i have a as you, if you couldn't tell you i have a hard time sometimes comp comprehending stories <laughs> So, but yeah, I don't know. Speaking of the Pride of the X-Men, so I, I happen to have back in my parents' place, which I could probably get them to ship to me, the VHS of Pride of the X-Men. So somewhere down the road, maybe. Where do it. you think 
We're getting access to a VCR, sir. <laughs> it's retro, right? We can find it somewhere. I don't think I have a TV that could connect to a VCR. <laughs> this is going to cost us like $70 in cable and like connectors to make it work. <laughs> huh, well, that's that's a you problem, not a me problem. Um, <laughs> so... Some closing notes on this one. Eric had said that this is one of the episodes that they definitely needed to tell the story of in the first season. And we've touched on these a lot, but the whole becoming normal passing, like those are those are aspects of the X-Men because certain X-Men can walk through day-to-day life. And if they're not forced to use their powers, nobody would know Gene is a mutant. Gene can walk down the street and just be the attractive redhead woman. Yep, just passes out a lot. <laughs> but it's only because she's getting, like, using powers and exerting yeah. herself. She's not actually passing out for... You know, to her credit, I saw this as a suggestion, either in the comments or a message or something from someone, is they wanted us to start a drinking game where we take a shot every time Gene faints. Yeah, no, not doing that. Yeah, I was like, uh, I don't I don't no, know if my liver can handle that. Rather but, not die. But somehow, we haven't seen a ton of that yet. No, she has. but it's going to happen. But, as we get closer to deep... P.S. Yep, that's an awkward acronym. <laughs> yep, when we get closer to DPS, that's going to happen often. Yeah, so we're, I guess we could, we could... Nope, nope, we're not. If if we only give an acronym and they search it out, that's on them for yeah. having it spoiled. So we're not at the point where Gene is passing out every five seconds yet. Yeah. It's like a core characteristic. Yeah. <laughs> but essentially, Eric was like really excited about telling the story of what it is like for somebody that they want to become normal, pass so bad that they're willing to give up being an X-Men. Mm-hmm. Like, that's huge. That is like, your your identity is you are a mutant, you are an X-Men. They don't have a lot outside of that. So it's like, if you want to give that up, what's the weight of that personal decision? Yeah, and she made it pretty quickly and certainly. Yeah. That and, she left without telling anybody. Yeah, and, and it took one of those moments that, you know, say Pyro and Avalanche didn't, attack she could have unending amounts of regret because once it goes away who knows if you could ever take it back Mm -hmm. if it wasn't even tied to the whole slave of apocalypse thing yeah if it was just a true removal of powers and like i don't want to even say the word cure because that's not what the intent is but if it's like if she could say i want to make this change and once you make the change you can never go back and that happened what would rogue become Mm -hmm. without it because Part of what we love about Rogue is so much of what she does is selfless. And is that is that selfish for us that we love how selfless <laughs> she is? You know, it's kind of looking at like Spider-Man as a narrative. Yeah. Spider-Man continually sacrifices, always to his own detriment. Mm-hmm. So is it... Like I said, is it selfish that we want the selfless character? Yeah. Probably. And and this is something... It's easy for us to be selfish when it's somebody who's fictional. Exactly, yeah. And we've already seen this a bit, but we're going to keep seeing it evolve into more things with other characters that that's... You're talking about things that are part of your core personalities. All these X-Men, with all their differences and powers and personalities and stuff, one of their connecting tenets is that they're all sacrificing something pretty significant to help the general population, both mutant and non-mutant. Yep. I mean, they're literally fighting for people who would be okay with them being dead. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the that's the thing, is they will save all humans. The only time they will not is if they're literally fighting that same human. Yeah. Or but, Storm has a building in the tornado for some reason. I mean, Storm can drop buildings on other people. <laughs> 
Well, on that note, thanks for joining us. If you have any thoughts, make sure to drop them in the comments for either the YouTube upload or our official Instagram post about this episode. Just like Storm drops buildings on people. There you go. Actually, drop a building emoji in the comments. I don't know if that works. I've heard people say that. I mean, a building emoji, there are lots of options. Let's say hospital. Storm would drop hospitals on people, right? Yeah. Drop a hospital emoji in the comments (laughs) if you heard this part. If you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on the podcast app of your choosing. Please be a high rating. I was going to say, like, preferably higher, but be honest. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, CastBox, RSS... I don't, other three letters. I'll update the show notes and add RSS to us. <laughs> Just because you trailing off does not give confidence that there's an RSS feed. Sweet. There's an RSS feed. I promise. It's, it's, in, the, it's in the link tree. It's in the... <laughs> yep. All right. Well, on that note, just remember one thing, friends. Knowledge is power. <laughs>